So I don't know about you guys, but I've been really loving pastor's messages recently. I always love to hear pastor preach, obviously. But pastor's been talking a lot more about faith um, in his messages. And if you remember this past Sunday, he was talking about how God makes a message out of our mess. And that is so true, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, I mean, we're pretty good at making messes out of our lives. You know, that's one thing that I think we're always really good at. And, you know, sometimes we make decisions that before we make those decisions, they sound pretty good. But then when we make that decision, and then sometimes we realize, boy, I really messed up on that one. And so that's what that's all about is how God makes a message out of our mess. But I do have good news, and that good news is that when we do make those decisions in our lives that turn out to be a mess, or when we think that there's, our life is too much of a mess for God to even love us, we know that we are imperfect people who serve a perfect God. And that perfect God at any time can clear up the messes in our lives that we make. And that's how we can make our messes into a message. And so when I was sitting back there during the first service on Sunday and Pastor was preaching, I was thinking about faith. And when I started thinking about faith, there's one chapter in the Bible that came right to me. Especially when Pastor mentioned Rahab and Abraham. And that chapter that came to me is Hebrews chapter 11. It just popped right in my mind. And I think that that chapter of the Bible gives us a perfect example of how we can put our faith into action. And it can also tell us exactly what faith is. And so I looked at the Oxford American Dictionary And I looked up the word faith, and then I also looked in the Oxford English Dictionary. Don't you just love that Google machine we have? We can just look stuff up. And when I was looking up the definitions for faith, they both had very good definitions of the word faith. But the Oxford English Dictionary, it actually included a theological definition of faith. And it said this. It said that faith is a conviction practically operative on the character and will and thus opposed to the mere intellectual assent to religious truth sometimes called speculative faith. So basically what it's saying is that faith is a belief and a conviction that changes your life, changes the way you are, It affects your character and your will. So saving faith is believing in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to the degree that you're completely satisfied with him and you commit your life to him and your loyalty and faithfulness, your allegiance and complete submission to him. And so then I started thinking about how Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith or the Hall of Fame of Faith. 
And so then I was thinking, well, you know, we have a lot of Hall of Fames out there. We have a Pro Football Hall of Fame. We have a Baseball Hall of Fame. There's an Aviation Hall of Fame. There's a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, although if you see who's in it and who's not in it, you begin to question that sometimes. And I even found out apparently there's a Polka Hall of Fame. But I think that the best Hall of Fame that we could ever know about, or what we would call the Hall of Faith, is found in Hebrews chapter 11. So if we could stand for the Word of God, I'm going to read a couple first chapter, verses of chapters 11 in Hebrews. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that were visible. And without faith it is impossible to please him, God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this night. We thank you for everybody that's coming here tonight, Lord. And I'm just so thankful that everybody arrived here safely. And I just pray for all of those who wanted to be here tonight and couldn't for whatever reason, Father. I just pray that you're with them as well. And I just pray that as we open up your word and study your word, Lord, that we can learn how to have an active faith and put our faith into action every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So as I said before, I love reading Hebrews 11. It's one of the chapters of the Bible that I kind of always am going to and just reading because you can get so much out of it. And it gives me so much encouragement when I read it. And because it does have 40 verses, thankfully for you guys, I'm not going to read all 40 verses. And I'm not going to preach on all 40 verses because we'd be here all night. <laughs> but I do want to urge you, when you go home or when you want to read the Bible, just pick up that Hebrews 11 and just read it and meditate on it. So I'm going to go through a couple of these uh, uh, verses in the chapter. And I want to talk about faith. And then I want to talk about those who were faithful and why they're in the hall of faith, as they call it. And so when we look at the first verse, we read that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now this doesn't mean, as some try and say, that we have some type of blind faith. We don't have a blind faith. And when we think about it, faith is a very important aspect of a believer's life. I mean, it's something that's not tangible that we can't, we can't buy it, we can't sell it off to somebody. We can't even give our faith away to somebody. We can share our faith. And faith is belief in and devotion to God. As a matter of fact, let's look again at verse 6, where it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that's how important faith is. Because without it, we can't even please God. So when we look at God's word, faith is the belief in the one true God 
without actually seeing him. It's a supernatural faith. It's a faith that's based on something future, something that we're hoping for. And it's us taking God at his word about the future. We have a confidence that one day he will make us perfect and free us from sin. And that when we die, we will be in the presence of the Lord face to face with Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? And so as we continue to see what God's word says about faith, we can see that faith is a gift from God. In Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says that God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So faith is a God-given ability to believe in him for the impossible. It's how we as Christians can have confidence in God's promises, in his power, and in his presence. And it's also why we can take heroic stands for God's work in the church. And that's what we're going to see in a little bit with some of these men and women in this hall of faith, that because of their faith in God, they were able to take heroic stands for God. And so faith is a gift from God. It's not because we deserve it or that we earned it. And really, we're not even worthy of it because faith is not from ourselves. It's from God. And faith is given to us as a gift from God along with his grace and his mercy. And because it's given from him, he gets all the glory. I mean, if you think about it, we all love gifts. Who doesn't like to get a gift? Especially out of the blue. I mean, it makes us happy when we get a gift from someone and it means that that person's thinking about us. And, but then we also know that when we get a gift from somebody, usually it's not earned by some good deed or kind word. Sometimes people just give us gifts just to let us know that they're thinking about us or they love us. And it's not given because the giver expects a gift in return. Under any of these conditions, a gift would not be a gift. And so that's why the Bible emphasizes that faith is a gift because God deserves all the glory for our salvation. And so we can have saving faith, a faith that believes the promises of God, that if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be forgiven and cleansed of whatever sins we may have committed. And this is the faith that brings us salvation. Another thing that we should strive for is we should strive to have a faith that endures. If you look in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so this is exactly why we should be studying the lives of these men and women in the Bible and that we should be greatly encouraged by them. And we should try to emulate them as much as we can with their faith. Because they were able to endure, and so we can also. No matter how long the race may be, we should always want to keep our eyes on Jesus because he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. And our faith is just not wishful thinking. It's rooted in a person, the author and finisher of our life, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Hebrews chapter 11, we see an illustration of a genuine faith that endures. And so the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 informed his readers of their need to persevere in their faith and how the righteous will live by faith. And so now here, when we get to Hebrews chapter 11, we see that he defines what that faith looks like so that they're all on the same page. And how he does this is by illustrating that faith they should have by telling the stories of several Old Testament believers. And the reason why the writer did this was to show his readers and us how all of these Old Testament believers had very good reasons for not persevering or enduring in the faith. I mean, if you think about a lot of them, how easy would it have been for them just to go back to their old life and just do what they were doing? How many of us would just go back to our old life? Not even in the, just the Old Testament states, but we read about all the New Testament believers and the, uh, the stuff that they had to endure. It would have been so much easier for them just to walk away and go back to their end life. But you know what they had? They had encountered the one true living God. And so none of them did. They all persevered in their faith. Their faith endured and they had that faith that endeared all that. And so when we read in uh, Hebrews 11, we should also note that the term by faith is seen 19 times here. And we see by faith Abel, and by faith Enoch, and by faith Noah, and by faith Abraham, and so on. Every single time that the writer talks about one of them, he says, by faith, they did this. Because their, their faith was firm. And they obeyed, they sacrificed, they worshiped, and as I said, they endured. In Hebrews chapter 11, also, we see a description of what true saving faith does. In the first part of this chapter, we see two things that faith does. The first thing is that faith gives an insurance of things hoped for. So if we look at that first one, we see that faith gives that insurance of the things that we hope for. So because of our faith, we have certainty of things that are to come in the future. We are certain 
that Jesus Christ is going to return. We're certain of the resurrection and the glorification of the dead. We're certain that when we die, we will be in the presence of the Lord. These are all the things that faith gives us assurance of. And then secondly, we see that faith provides us with the convictions of things not seen. So we know that when we repent of our sins, our sins will be forgiven. And we know that the Holy Spirit is in us and in all believers, and that Christ is our intercessor. And we know that we have direct access to God through prayer. So faith gives us the evidence of things that are not seen and the assurance about the things that we cannot see. We haven't seen God. We haven't seen Jesus. We haven't seen the Holy Spirit. We haven't seen heaven. But we live every single moment knowing that that is reality. Because we have that conviction of what we never seen to be true. And as far as faith goes, there's not a single day that goes by that we don't exercise some type of faith. No matter what any unbeliever says, they have faith also. I mean, every day, if you think about it, we get in our car and we have faith that when we turn the key in the ignition, that that car will start. When we walk into a dark room, we have faith as long as the light's not burned out, that when we turn on that switch, the light will go on. We also have faith that while we're driving down the road, that those other cars coming towards us and those drivers, we have faith in those drivers that they're not going to come in our lane and crash into us. And I was just thinking about how many times have we gone to have some type of surgery and nine times out of ten, we know who the doctor is that's going to perform the surgery. But then when you're laying there in the bed, all of a sudden an unknown man or woman comes in and says, Hi, I'm Dr. Keith. I'm going to put you to sleep now. <laughs> we have faith that he knows what he's doing. Or the person that's coming to take our blood knows what they're doing. So we all have faith. Our faith that we have as Christians is a faith in which we have faith that things that are hoped for that we have not yet seen. So in other words, faith is the things that God has promised to us in his word but are not fulfilled yet in our lives. So then when we get to Hebrews 11.6, we read that without faith, it is impossible to please God. The only way that we can truly please God is through faith, through trusting in him. I mean, you can go on and you can be a well-known person. You can have lots and lots of money. You can have big cars, big houses, fancy cars. But all that doesn't matter. That's not what pleases God. What pleases God is that we continue to develop a relationship of faith with him. 
So now I'd like to go through some of these Old Testament saints that we see in Hebrews 11. And we see so many of them. We see they have Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, Moses, Rahab. They even have Gideon and Barak and Samson. So you can see that they have a lot of the Old Testament saints, David, Samuel, even the prophets, that they talk about here. And as I said, he's trying to show these Jewish believers that all of these Old Testament saints that they know about and they learned about growing up all had faith that endured. And so he's teaching them and us about faith. And so in Hebrews 11.5, it says, By faith, there's that word, by faith, Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. In Genesis 5.24, it says that Enoch walked with God, and then he was not, for God took him. As a matter of fact, if you look in the NLT version of this, it says that Enoch, walking in close fellowship with God, then one day he disappeared and God took him. I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who walked with God and who was in a close fellowship with God, and I want to be someone who pleased God in everything that I've done. And so that's a great description of Enoch. He pleased God. He walked with God. And so here the writer is equating walking with God to pleasing God. And so then in Jude 1.14, we read that Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of holy ones. Now, Enoch was way before Moses, and he was before the flood, okay? And so here, Enoch lived. He lived in a dark and wicked world. And Enoch, at this time, was preaching and proclaiming that judgment was coming. And it did. We know that judgment did come in the form of a flood. But my friends, I'm here to tell you that judgment is still coming. And we need to turn from all of our ungodliness. And we need to be like Enoch. And we need to walk with God every single day of our lives. And we need to please God. Amen? Amen. So faith is trusting in God. And faithfulness is doing what God told us to do in the Bible. And so in Hebrews 11, we see so many other faithful heroes. I, I read most of them down there uh, who trusted in God. And so what we see in this is we see what we would call faith in action. And so there's several things that we can learn about faith through these great men and women. And the first thing is, is that faith is believing even when I can't see it. Hebrews 11 said, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, 
and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. So Noah had faith and he was obedient to God who told him and his sons, you need to build an ark because judgment's coming. And so in Genesis 6, we read about the world. It had become increasingly corrupt and it was filled with violence. And God knew of one righteous man and his name was Noah. So God told Noah, build a large boat. And if you remember, several months ago, Pastor spoke on Noah's grit in his grit series. And one of the things that he said was that Noah found favor in the Lord and he obeyed and trusted the Lord. Now, when I read this story, I think to myself, what was Noah thinking? I think I've told you this before. Every single time I read the Bible, I always think about that stuff. What would I do in this moment? Or what are they thinking? And so I'm trying to always think about, you know, okay, here's God. He says, Noah, build a boat. And Noah says, why? Maybe. <laughs> but being faithful and obedient to God, he did just as God told him to. And so also when I think about this story, I think about the other people that are around Noah. Because at this time, there hadn't been any rain yet. And all these people were walking by and here's Noah and his sons building this big boat. And I'm sure the people were walking by and saying, why is crazy old Noah doing that? What is that boat for? But it was by faith that Noah, who was warned by God about things he had not seen, that he built that ark and he saved his whole family. And it was also, as it says in the Hebrews here, it was also by his faith that he condemned the world and he became heir of the righteous that comes by faith. And so the evidence of Noah's faith is seen in his trusting God, believing in his word and acting in obedience to his commands. And so I think that we all can pray that the Lord enables us to have that same faith and obedience that Noah had in all of our circumstances that we run into, whether it's good or bad. We also see that faith is obeying even when I don't understand. It's obeying God even when I don't understand why something's happening. In Hebrews 11, 8 through 10, it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Now, guys, I don't know about you, but when I read that story about Abraham and his faith, 
I mean, I really can't imagine myself picking up my house, getting a U-Haul truck, getting a bunch of boxes, putting all my belongings in the boxes, put them all in the U-Haul truck. And then when Christy comes home, she says, why did you take everything out of the house? Why is everything in a U-Haul truck? And I tell her, well, we're going somewhere. And then she'll say, well, where are you going? I said, oh, well, you know, God told us that we're going somewhere and we need to trust him. I don't think that would fare very well because Christy and any other woman would say, I'm not leaving this place until you tell me where we're going. But it was by faith that Abraham, when he was called by God to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he had no idea where he was going. I also believe that this is one of the reasons why we see Sarah, Abraham's wife, is also listed in this chapter. Because not only did she have to have faith in her husband, Abraham, but she also had faith in God as well. And so this is one of the secrets of developing a life of faith, is obeying God even before you completely understand what he is doing, trusting in him. It's a hard thing for many of us to do. So here we have Abraham living in his homeland. He's 75 years old, and God comes along and he tells him to leave his country, leave his relatives, and go to a land that I will show you. And so I'm sure Abraham must have been asking God, you know, Lord, I trust you, but where are we going? He might even have been like our children when we're taking them for a little ride when they say, how long is it going to take us to get there, though? What should I take? But God reassured him and told him not to worry about it and to trust him completely. And in Genesis 12, 2, we read God's promise to Abraham. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Abraham obeyed God even when he didn't understand it. Abraham trusted God and he became the father of a nation called Israel and many people were blessed because he obeyed God even at the time that it did not make sense. And so sometimes the problem is, is that we don't know what God's will is, or we know what God's will is for us, but sometimes we lack that courage to go and obey and trust God. I think about when I was younger and my parents would tell me to do things, and sometimes I would ask them, well, why can't I go this place, or why can't I go with these friends, or why are you telling me no about this or that? You see, it's because they knew thing, that some things were not good for me and they were protecting me. But at the time, I didn't see it. But now that I'm a parent, I do see it. And I look back and a lot of it makes sense to me now. And so then we see that enduring faith takes courage. 
In Hebrews 11, 24 to 28, it says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle the blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. So it takes courage and it takes trust to obey God. And so we see this all throughout the life of Moses. Moses willingly suffered. He trusted God over the earthly rulers. He obeyed God in the face of adversity without knowing everything and not being able to control anything. Moses also refused the temporary pleasures of sin and the treasures that he could have had in Egypt. And he chose the greater riches and wealth by identifying as one of God's people. Moses trusted God and believed that the pleasures he could have were short-lived. But the reward of living a life, a godly life, is for eternity. And so by identifying with the people of God and sharing in their hardship, Moses ultimately served the cause of Christ. So Moses suffered for the sake of Christ in the sense that he identified with Christ's people and their suffering. Moses could have been famous in Egypt. He could have made a big deal out of being the adopted son of Pharaoh, but he didn't. Moses was such a great man of faith that when he took the children of Israel to the Red Sea and they were afraid until they heard Moses pronounce God's promise that he will be with them and that he would protect them and then they went forward in faith and they were safe. So Moses is a credible example for us. He was born into poverty, raised in prosperity, sent into obscurity, and returned in victory. And what made the difference was that he met God in the wilderness. After the burning bush, he knew that he was no longer alone. God was with him. God made all the difference. And he has promised to do the same for you. What we can read from or learn from Hebrews 11 also is that God can use anyone. Hebrews 11.31 says, It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So Rahab's the second woman along with Sarah to be in this Hall of Faith chapter in Hebrews. And I think, like I said, a lot of us can understand why Sarah was in there. But many of us may ask ourselves, how could Rahab, who was known as a prostitute, be in this chapter of the Hall of Faith? And this past Sunday, Pastor mentioned Abraham and Rahab in his message. And here's what we know about Rahab. If we look in the book of Joshua, we see that when the Hebrews were camping at Shittim, 
in the Jordan, in the Jordan Valley across from Jericho, Joshua sent out two spies to examine the fighting force of Jericho. The spies hid in Rahab's house, which was constructed into the city wall. They lived in the city walls. It would not have been odd to see men coming in and out of Rahab's house because they knew her profession. The men sent to seize the spies asked Rahab to bring them out. Rahab didn't bring out the spies to the men. She covered them up in bunches of flax on the roof, protecting them from being captured. Rahab told the men that, yes, there were some men here, but they left, and I have no idea where they went. And so when the king's men left Rahab's house, she told the spies, I know the Lord has given you this land. We were all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Shihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people destroyed, who people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. Rahab had faith. She had faith in the living God. And so after escaping, the spies agreed to spare Rahab and her family. And after conquering the city, she was saved. Her and her family were saved. They placed the red cord out the window. And when Jericho fell, Rahab and the whole family was saved from that agreement of the spies, and they were included among the Jewish people. So God used Rahab. Rahab had a bunch of strikes against her. First, she was a Canaanite and not a Jew. And at that time, Canaanites were wicked people, and they were idolaters. Secondly, she was a woman. At that time, women were treated as second-class citizens, and a lot of them were treated as property. And third, she was a prostitute. But God used this woman no matter what her past was. You know why? Because he saw her future. God sees potential in every single one of us, no matter what our past looks like. How many times have you heard people say, well, that person's too far gone for God to save, or I've prayed for this person in my life for so long and there's no hope for them. But I'm here to tell you that there is hope for them. There's hope for everyone, no matter how far you think they've gone. Doesn't matter who you are or what you have done, no one is too far gone for Jesus. Isaiah 45:22 says, Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. He's calling all the ends of the earth to come to him for salvation. He's the only God and the only shelter for all people. 
And so Rahab, as it seems, had everything against her, but she had one redeeming factor going for her, and that was her faith. She believed God. In fact, she was such a great woman of faith that in Matthew 1, we see that she became the great-grandmother of King David, and she's also part of the lineage of Jesus. There's so many other great heroes of faith in this chapter, and like I said, I could spend a lot of time here up here with this and just talking about them and learning about them and learning from them and their lives. And so that's why, as I said earlier, I urge you just to go through Hebrews 11 several times and just meditate on it. But then I also want to bring up verses 39 and 40 of Hebrews 11, where it says, All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. All of these Old Testament believers that are mentioned in this chapter received divine recognition through their faith, but they did not receive everything promised to be given through the coming Messiah. The reason for this is because God provided something better for us. We have a better hope, a better covenant. We have better promises, a better high priest and better access to God. The promised Messiah that the Old Testament believers anticipated did come, and all who trust in God can experience salvation of Christ's new covenant. And so I want to finish up by just asking you a couple questions. What really matters in your life? When we read Hebrews 11, we see that what should matter to all of us that are passionate followers of Christ is our faith. And let's not forget Ephesians 2 where it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Salvation comes to us through the grace of God. There's nothing I have done to deserve it. Even when I make a mess of things, it's through faith that is our part that I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And that we have the great promise that we will be saved. And so we need to continue daily to put our faith into action and continue to trust in him and his promises. James 1.22 says, but, but don't listen, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. A man walking into a church late one time asked an usher, is the sermon done yet? The usher replied, the sermon's been preached, but it has yet to be done. What an answer. The word of God is not just meant to be preached. It's meant to be practiced. It's not just meant to be delivered. It's meant to be done. And there's nothing more important to us than growing in our faith. And by faith, we can be like Abraham, we can be like Noah, and we can be like Rahab. And we can do great things by God's power 
for his glory. Also, do you want to live a life of faith? Then let's begin living with the confident assurance that God is in complete control of our future and he will keep his promises because he has a purpose for all of us. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this, this, your word, and I just thank you for this night. And as we all go out tonight, Lord, I just pray that we're all safe as we travel home. And I'm just so thankful for your word. And I'm so thankful for our church that we're able to come here and gather on a Wednesday night, on a Saturday night, on a Sunday night morning. And I just pray that we'll all continue to put our faith into action as we go out in our daily lives. That we're not just hearer of your word, but that we're also doers of your word. And I just pray that we can learn from all the Old Testament believers that are in this chapter, as well as all the New Testament believers, Lord, and all the church fathers, just pray that we can learn from them how we can have an active, growing faith. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.